This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode, our first interview of 2023. And our most interviewed guest? Yes. Well, we did the mat. We did the. Uh, we actually looked at this over summer. Uh, Simon pulled how many times experts have appeared on our show, and our expert today, Andrew Brown. We always start the year with Andrew, has uh, appeared on the show twelve times. Wow. <laughs> 12 times one hour at my usual rate of $14,000 an hour. Uh, send the invoice. We'll, we'll, yeah. 12 times. So back for the 13th with your bold predictions for 2023, oh, Andrew. Yeah, 12-8. 12, yes. <laughs> yeah, lucky number 13. Yes. Yeah, so. uh, but before we do get into it, uh, Andrew is also one of our most requested guests. I think on our Instagram comments over the break, people were asking when's the bold prediction episode with Andrew coming out and all I thought was relax I'm at the beach it'll come into <laughs> due time um, but that is you know we, we want to hear what you guys think we want to interview the people that you want us to interview we want to talk about the topics and learn about the topics that you guys want to learn about and the best way to hear from you and for you to tell us what we should be doing is through the Equity Mates community survey which is live now the link is in the show notes uh, it's our opportunity to to learn about the Equity Mates audience, to understand who you are, and most importantly, to understand what you want out of Equity Mates. That's it. So you can win $500 in cash. There are also three runners up ticket, uh, who will win tickets to FinFest 2023. All you need to do is complete the community survey in full and you will automatically go in. It shouldn't take you more than 10 minutes to complete and uh, it closes on the 28th of February. We would really appreciate if you took those 10 minutes to let us know how you think we're going and all things that uh, that Ren has just said. So, uh, yeah, more info to come during this episode on FinFest 23 as well. But, Andrew, we finished the year last year, 2022, with a wrap of your bold predictions, most of which you actually nailed. Yeah. So there's massive which is, expectations Which is right rare now. in the prediction game. <laughs> Most people don't nail their predictions. <laughs> I, I don't mind admitting I'm, I'm more trepidatious about this particular pod than most others I've done. Okay. Um, okay. Not, not just because we did quite well last year and obviously you want to repeat and do better, but, but you know, since the year end, obviously markets have been, you know, rather strong. Yes. Um, but look as though they may have peaked for the time being. Who knows? Just to give people an idea, at the end of last year, because we're not going to – if you're going to come and sort of say, well, at the end of last year the S&P was 38, 39 and you said X, well, when we're making this broadcast, it's 4,017, so it's 7.2% above the year-end level. So we're we're recording this on the 9th 9th of February. Absolutely, and the NASDAQ is 14% above its – 
December 31 level. So, I mean, that's a whole year's return in yeah. kind of five weeks. Uh, and, and the ASX about 6.5% above that year-end level. So, please, let's just bear that in mind, okay, when you, when you kind of have a look and think through what we're talking about. It is a really nice way to come back from the holidays. I know. And it's like, oh, my portfolio is looking yes. good. Hell yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's close yeah. it out. All right. So, Andrew, you've, yeah. you've got 14 predictions. Yes, I do. Great. Um, Go Let's for it. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, wondering what you're going to When I set, to set thinking about this, obviously, which was towards the end of last year, I think it's fair to say the consensus view, if there was a consensus, and there wasn't a real one, but any kind of consensus view was that the first half of this year would be not so good for equities and it would rebound in the second half of the year, you know, wherever it got down to and wherever it ended up. And that was a consensus. We were looking at recessions. Uh, we, were, we were looking at sort of uh, rates that, that maybe had peaked out and everything else. Well, that consensus disappeared in the space of five weeks. Okay, mm. that's changed completely mm. in the space of five weeks, uh, and it's changed largely on the back of a few words by Jay Powell in, in in his first conference of the year. But I think what it shows, if nothing else, and this is prediction number one, and it has a real implication for what you guys listening and girls listening have to do. Volatility is going to be a major feature of 2023. Okay, it was a reasonable feature of 2022. I mean, if you remember, the oil price was everywhere between 70 and 130, uh, you know, and there's about two months between the two. Um, and what you've seen in the equity market this year where participants got too bearish at the end of last year, <clears throat> and I would argue have got a bit too enthusiastic even already just in terms of the speed of the rise, but it's going to mean that dollar cost averaging is really going to pay dividends for you this year. Okay, if you try and pick the bottom or pick the top, the likelihood is you get blown away. Okay, whereas if you just keep, you know, putting your notional amounts of money into, you know, each of your ETFs, if you're just using ETFs as an investment means, that's really going to pay dividends for you this year. Um, I know, I know a particularly smart individual who ran also knows quite well who lives in Canberra and has the surname Brown, who does, <laughs> who does dollar cost averaging. And his, his favourite stock last year was Kiwi, which was a Chinese internet thing. Yeah, and that would range between 10 and 32. Wow. And, and the only way you are going to capture anything out of that was to dollar cost average. And, and, you know, that's what that particular individual did. And I think, you know, if you get, take that on board, and I think that's what you're going to have to do this year. If you're going to get brave, well, you know, you might win. I'm not saying you won't, but I think you're more likely to lose, to be frank. So that's prediction one, number one. Volatility will be a feature of 2023. Prediction number two is why <laughs> might volatility <laughs> be a feature of 2023? There are all kinds of economic things which we can get onto in a minute, but I'm going to suggest to you one of the boldest predictions I'm going to make is death. Okay. okay. <laughs> Putin. The three most important people in the world, and they do have an impact on markets, are Mr. Joseph Biden of Wilmington, Delaware, who is age 80, mm. and the American actuarial tables tell me he has a 5.6% chance of dying in the next 12 months. He has a counterpart who claims to play ice hockey, but we haven't seen him on the ice for a while, Mr Vladimir Putin of Mokba, or <laughs> a, uh, a, a, a cave somewhere near Mokba these days, I think. He's age 70, rumoured to be not very well. Mm. His theoretical chance of dying is 2.2%, but um, I think it's probably higher than that. And then the least likely dire, but if he did die, it would be very interesting, is, is uh, Mr Xi uh, mm. from Beijing and he's 69. I, is it beyond the realms of possibility that one of those three may pass away? And what would be the implications of one of those three passing away? That's a real black swan left field because yeah. nobody's thinking about it. Mm. But, yeah, one's not very well, one seems in great health and the other is in great health for an 80-year-old in a land where the age expectancy for males is 77. Mm. Um, I also have another death thing which may 
have less ramifications for overall markets, but it certainly would do for one particular company, which is I can't help thinking that um, there's a very well-known entrepreneur who was born in Australia, doesn't live here now, he's 91 years old and he has a 17.8% chance of dying in the next year uh, and his first two names are Keith Rupert. Yeah, wow. And that would get very interesting because um, certainly... Um, we'll touch on News Corp later on, but uh, I think that's a really interesting play for the year. You say yes. it will have impact on one company and three democracies. Correct. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So it's it, it's pretty fascinating. But I think yeah, world leadership, as you know, we've been in the thrall of one or other of these people. Yeah. Uh, Xi, you know, and look at what happened in November. You know, Xi just decided, you know, China's been closed too long, you know, the population are rebelling, let's open up. Mm. And there's not an investment banker in the world isn't brushing off their China files and flying into Beijing and Shanghai. Yeah, it's investment banking nirvana at the moment to try and see what can happen. Yeah. And, you know, we know about Putin and, you know, what's the alternative to Biden? Ooh, haven't thought about that for no. a while, have you? Anyway, so there you go. So that's, that's prediction number two. I'm sorry... One of them is going to go. Wow. <laughs> okay. And that'll have that a ramification. Yeah. yeah. Or he's going to be seriously ill and will be out of action. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Three. Let, three. Let's get out. Just get away from equities for a while. Okay. okay. The one thing everybody's talking about house prices, not yeah. just in Australia. They're talking about them in America as well. Okay. Everybody's forgetting one thing about house prices and the issues with house prices at the moment. That the houses are for living, not for investing. Oh, yeah, they're, they're <laughs> utilities. They're not, for, they're not for speculative investment where you're geared seven to one, okay? Number one, you are unwinding in Australia, you're unwinding decades of house price speculation. You're not unwinding a year or two. You're, you know, I know it's gone up sharply or did go up sharply from COVID, but you're actually unwinding decades before that where the price to income mm. is way above where it was when I bought a first house. I bought my first house paying two and a half times my income and people have to pay <laughs> 10. Okay, but the issue, so the issue is you take on so much debt and even though that debt only costs maybe 6% now and it, it's cost me 14. The cost to you at six is way more than the cost to me at 14 was because I didn't borrow that much, mm. okay? And that's the fundamental problem and, and that's been going on and on and on and on for quite some years. And the problem now is prediction number three, the wealth effect is going to have a massive impact in Australia unwinding this and it's not going to be very nice and it is going to have an impact on our economy. So uh, I don't believe... Ju yeah. Just before we keep going, the wealth effect is when prices of assets fall, stock market or housing market, yep. people feel poorer. They feel poorer. It's housing tends to have a much bigger impact in Australia than the stock market mm. does. In America, the stock market actually has a little bit more of an impact because Americans have more financial assets than Australians do. And Australians don't look at their superannuation every two minutes. Uh, and there's too much of their superannuations invested in pro in property and infrastructure at crazy prices anyway. So the real issue is the, the wealth effect is when people just get demoralised because they're poorer, so they don't go out and spend because they feel poor. Yeah. Uh, and they feel like they've got to stay in and watch maths and yeah. things like that, you know. Hey, what's so, wrong with maths? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go you, wouldn't be, you wouldn't be <laughs> saying it if I went on. <laughs> well, well, shout out to one of yeah. our mates who we won't name, but yeah. we're trying to encourage to go on to next go year. On. So. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I think house prices in Australia will not bottom this year. Everybody's oh, really? looking for a bottom, and I don't think they'll bottom. Okay, because I think the wealth effect's so big, I think the lending environment's so crimped, and I don't think the current government have the same obsession with property that the prior government did. So do you think it'll just be a slow yeah. decline? Yeah, I down, think it'll just yeah. be a – the best bear markets are slow-grinding declines mm. rather than falling off cliffs. And uh, and I think you're just going to get – everybody, every expert's going to predict it's bottomed, it's bottomed, <laughs> and it'll just keep grinding down. Okay. Okay, because simply, you know, the, the economics simply don't work for someone trying to go out and borrow money and buy a house, mm. okay? And whilst they – and it's now that the economics not working has come home to roost. Okay, because the, the banks are going to be under the pump. APRA is going to be looking. It, it sort of says to me the Reserve Bank are not going to drop interest rates. I'll give you two predictions on that as well. Great. Uh, we did a bold predictions episode on Monday where yeah. 
uh, we had three different people predict three different directions from interest rates. So we're interested to see where you land. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My third prediction is that house prices in Australia will not bottom this year. Uh, house prices in America will bottom this year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Great. Okay. Different markets. Yeah. Okay. Different markets. Bold prediction number four. This is not bold at all. Great. Okay. This yep. is not bold. This is about as consensus as you can get. Okay. But the date to watch is the 17th of September 2023. Okay. So my bold prediction is when we come back at sort of Christmas time and do the rerun of what happened to these bold predictions, Philip Lowe will not be the Governor of the Reserve Bank. Right, okay. okay. Okay, his contract finishes on the 17th of September and I don't think it'll be renewed. Mm. Yeah, I feel and like I, that's... And I'm rather yeah. more scathing privately that it shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be renewed, but that's, we won't go there. We if you know. want to be bold, do you want to call who gets the job? I think it's going to be a complete outsider and the reason I think I've mentioned this with, with you guys previously... If you go back, try and track down some of the stuff that Chris Joy released, okay, which was the Freedom of Information Act um, emails uh, within the Reserve Bank when they were trying to work out why Coolabar, which is Chris's company, mm. which had hired Peter Tulip who built the Reserve Bank's house price model, while Peter Tulip was saying house prices are going down 20% and the Reserve Bank using the same model or so they thought said, oh, they're only going to go down a sort of few percent. And they couldn't work out why Tulip was so negative and their model was saying something very different. Mm. And it turned out Peter had tweaked a few things, which is fair enough. Uh, but instead of actually reaching out to him, they, they spent months just sending emails to each other trying to game and reverse engineer the model to absolutely no impact at all. Right. And, and, and so what it showed is the group think that is inherent within the Reserve Bank at the moment. Mm. And, they, and the review of the Reserve Bank, I hope, will bring out that group think because it's painfully obvious to me reading those emails. Um, and they need to get rid of that. They need to have people on the Reserve Bank board and within the Reserve Bank that will challenge. Yeah, okay. And, and I mean, challenging not raising rates from mid-2021 onwards was a pretty easy challenge, you know, and yet, you know, six months later, you know, we still had a three-year bond target of 0.1, which is farcical. So that needs to be the challenge and yeah. that's why I think Mr Lowe has to go and it means some of his cohort has to go. Sorry, but... And that, and that slogan could be printed on a T-shirt, Mr yeah. Lowe has to go, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's actually Dr Lowe, isn't it? <laughs> true, right, anyway. true. Oh, he's a nice man, okay, but he's just... Got it all wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no getting around it. Okay. Let's move on from house prices and, and the Reserve Bank. The really interesting thing is that the stock market is obsessed with interest rates. I am not obsessed with interest rates, okay? I think it is as plain as day where interest rates are going in America and even to a degree in Australia, a bit less clear in Australia, but plain as day in America. Where are they going? They're actually pretty much, they're probably going to go up slightly from here and then go nowhere. Yep. Okay, and then go nowhere. They are not going to fall this year. So bold prediction number five is the Fed funds rate will not be below 4% this year. Nice. Okay, it's currently above four. It's, um, you know, it's close. It's basically... 4.6. Uh, 4.6 at the Something midpoint. Like yeah, sorry, 4.75 I think at the midpoint. Okay, why is that? It's because you've been told categorically by Jay Powell and to be fair by Philip Lowe, they're not going to stop until they crush inflation. If you want some reading, just, just Google Paul Volcker Okay, and, and he was the Federal Reserve Board chairman in the early 1980s and why he, you know, ratcheted interest rates up so high and why you need to crush inflation. Because if you don't crush inflation, and you'll see why I'm very critical of Philip Lowe in this respect in a minute, if you don't crush inflation, the impact that it has on your daily life is just horrendous. Mm. Okay, we can't live with inflation at 6 7 8%. Okay. Now, in America, because of the construction of the CPI and because of what's going on in America, I am more confident that inflation can come down to sort of four-ish fairly quickly. Um, but to get it from four down to sort of two to three, 
needs a bit more of an effort. And that's why rates won't come down this year. And, you know, they might go up once or twice more. But does that really matter? I think we can predict fairly clearly that the closing Fed funds rate is going to be sort of five and a bit. Okay. Does it matter if it's 5.25 or 5.5? Not really. Mm. Okay. Uh, as long as the long bond doesn't go to six or something like that. And if the long bond goes to six, all bets are off. But I don't have that in my land at all. But I think the long bond will certainly be over four at, at one stage this year. It's currently about 3.7. Why Why do you think if uh, – when you say long da- long bond, you mean like 10 years plus? Ten year, yeah, yeah, a ten, yeah, a 10-year treasury bond in the US will yield over four at various stages this year. Why, why? why if it gets to six, are all bets off? Oh, because it will destroy the it, you know the the ten year Treasury bond in the US is is the parameter by which virtually every other asset on the planet is priced. That's the ultimate risk free rate. If you can get six off that, mm. stocks are <laughs> yeah, going stocks well are, down. You know, they're going yeah. well down, okay? yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. not priced into the stock market. So. I don't believe that's going to happen, but I do believe it will go up to reflect the fact that inflation will prove tough to get back to the 2 to 3% range. I think what this year is all about, if last year was all about you know, the repricing of money from zero to something, I think what 2023 is about is, is people's expectations of going back to QE, quantitative easing and zero interest rate policy and all that stuff, this is the year when it gets shaken out of them and they realise that's not going to happen. Rates just don't get cut because the stock market goes down a little bit, okay? Rates are not going to really get cut this year at all. And so I think the, kind of the, the idea is that rates would be lowered towards the end of the year uh, in the US and in Australia, it's just not going to happen. So I, I think that's a, a really important thing for people to realise that like the stock market isn't the economy and rates don't get cut because the stock market falls. Correct. Here's the question though. Yeah. In Australia, the housing market is the economy in some respects. Yes. Do you think if they're, you know, if everyone flick, flicks over to variable rates, if there is a lot of mortgage stress, yep. do you reckon that uh, leads to a cut? No. Fair. And, and the reason, <laughs> Next the, well, so, okay. And prediction number six is that the Reserve Bank's cash rate will will not be below three percent at any stage this year. Okay. Yeah. That's that's a bit easy because it's currently it's three point three five and it's going up. Why why is that the case? And 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 why am I so confident uh, about about this? Australia's inflation, if you look at the, the last inflation numbers, it's way more entrenched mm. than US inflation. We have many more oligopolies in Australia and it's quite clear they're gouging. I'm sorry, gouging is the Australian national sport, but we've been, <laughs> we've been on the subs bench at it for a, for a while because inflation's been low. Holy moly, the, you know, major corporations were definitely in training you don't need me to tell you who they are. Well, I was going to say, do you want to name and shame any of them? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, 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 major, re- the major food retailers are classics. You know, I mean, you walk, you walk around even just the food aisle going, Jesus, when we're nuts, 15 bucks for a 500-gram pack. Uh, coffee's a classic. What's been going on? Coffee prices are lower. The raw material's lower. You know, and so all of a sudden everybody says, oh, you know, coffee's got to be five bucks. I admit staff are more expensive. Electricity. And electricity is more expensive. Rent should not be more expensive. It should be lower. But, yeah, Australian companies are getting really good at gouging again. They used to be brilliant at it in the 1980s. You used to go to presentations and, and, you know, like building material companies. The first thing, the first slide was about price rises (laughs) and and we back to that. We back to that rubbish again, okay? Now, that's a massive indictment on Philip Lowe, okay? Because what Philip Lowe has done, we've had this discussion before about demand pull, cost push, impacts on inflation, cost push where, you know, a third-party thing pushes prices up, like the oil price, for example. Okay, demand pulls just, you know, when, when everybody wants tickets to South and East in the grand final and, and it's, you know, there's no fixed price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the other one is, uh, is inflation expectations and getting that genie back in the bottle is really hard. And Philip Lowe's alluding to that. Every Reserve Bank statement now talks about in inflation expectations. He's made stupid utterances about people taking 
taking wage cuts and keeping wage rises down and everything else. Um, inflation expectations are out the bottle in Australia now. We know it. You know going back a year or two, you know, if the price of something went up 5%, you had sticker shock. Now it's doubled and you just buy it. Yeah. Okay. So the, this is my question though. If everyone, if they say they have to crush inflation and get it back to that range that they do, mm. and particularly here in Australia where it's so entrenched, yeah. it feels like rates are going to have to go a lot higher than consensus. Yes, they are. Absolutely. If they're going to crush inflation, if they've got the fortitude to do it, and remember we're talking about human beings here, mm. no matter how well paid, yeah, have they got the fortitude to do it? Remember, in the US in the early 1980s, Paul Volcker, you know, six foot eight, cigar smoking behemoth of a man, basically just blocked everybody else out and said rates are going up and up and up and it shoved the economy into recession but it killed inflation. And in Australia, you know, you, you remember, you know, the famous Paul Keating on the John Law show, the recession we had to have, mm. and it was done with a combination of work between Hawke, Keating and the trade union movement to get inflation expectations down, to stop index linking of stuff and accept below inflation wage rises for a period in exchange for something else. And the something else, of course, was the superannuation system we now have. Okay. Do we have any other tricks in our pocket? Now, the unions are not as strong as they were back in the, the early, you know, late 80s, early 90s when this was being done. But, yeah, it's a real problem when inflation expectations get out of control because you just pay the price and you don't care mm. and then you hope to recoup it from your employer in a, in a pay rise. Yeah. And, and at the moment you can do that. And that's, that's not good. That's mm. a horrible spiral. Well, Bryce has predicted uh, on Monday's episode that we're going to see – Higher than consensus interest rates. He, what you think Australia will have a six in front of it? Was it the, yeah, America will have a six in front of it. Consensus is just over five at the mm. moment. I think it'll get a lot higher. Australia consensus is just below four. I think it'll go higher. Yeah, I, th- I think Australia will go much higher, and that's the problem. Australia's unwinding the mother of all housing bubbles. Mm. Yeah, way way bigger than what's gone on in the US. Okay, it's unwinding a massive housing bubble. And people need to learn that, you know, gearing eight to one on an asset doesn't go up all the time. Mm. And the demography's not there at the moment. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, Indian students, you know, coming coming back to Australia or even Chinese students coming back to Australia don't, don't buy $900,000 houses in Sydney. Sorry. So there's some real issues here. The unbalance in our economy that's been wrought by, in my opinion, 13 years of politics and a bit of stupidity at the central bank is, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not nice. All right, All right we're almost halfway. Let's yeah. hit seven, then we'll take a quick break and jump back into it. Yeah, hit seven. Okay, um, this is where I get a little bit specific, okay, which is uh, – so the S&P 500's at 41.17 as I speak, okay. That's 18.2 times the consensus figure of 225 for the, the calendar 23 year. It's too high. <laughs> the, the consensus profit figure. Yeah, so profit eight, figure. like the, the yeah. price to earnings ratio so of the is, of S&P the 500 is, as a 18, whole. is about eighteen point two. That's too high. So what I think is going to happen is I think that earnings projections are going to come down, but I don't think they're going to be as catastrophic as what some of the real mega bears have had. You've had guys talking two hundred and one eighty and stuff like that. Now, I would urge all the listeners to keep a track of where the S&P 500 earnings projections are because that's what's going to drive that index, in my opinion. So I think what you're going to see is you're going to see weaker earnings as the year goes on and I think that's why the index might hold up for a little while but at some stage this year um, it's going to go back and touch the lows of last year. Now, the lows of last year were just below 3,600. I think at some stage this year we'll have uh, a correction of about 15% and we'll see a low in the S&P around 3,500. And it's going to be driven by earnings expectations getting knocked back probably to around 210, which is only 4% below fiscal 22. So we're not talking Armageddon here. Mm. We're talking 4% below fiscal 22 because the economy's slowing, credit costs are going up, there's increasing unemployment against high-income people, you know, 
just look at what's happened in tech land. Mm. It's, it's small numbers in the context of the overall economy, but they're highly paid people, okay? So I figure that the market's better priced at probably 16 and a half times a lower earnings number around 210, and uh, as if by magic, that's 3,500. Okay. Okay? So I think you get a 15% correction from where we are at the moment at some stage over the course of this year, but I then think the market will start to focus on 2024 as it should do, and I think the market will have a more constructive view about 2024. I think the earnings numbers for 2024 are gaga. They're 250 at the moment, so, uh, you know, the, you know, cannabis clearly is being legalised in more states in the US than I think. <laughs> um, but I do think that markets will start to look forward a little bit and therefore prediction number seven is after a 15% correction, I think the market will end up not too far away from where it was at the end of 2022. So the return over 2022 will be not much. Yeah. Probably, you know, plus or minus a few percent. And I can see it at 3,800 again from, from a low of 35. Yeah, so nice. you, you think it will fall about 15% and yeah. then rise about 8% yeah, from Yeah, 8 there. to 9%. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So not, we're not looking at a bear, you know, a horrible bear market, okay? I think the... There's too many people at the moment have got extreme views yeah. about the US market. I don't share those. But I do think the market's too high. But that doesn't mean, yeah, we're, we're in for a crash. You mm. know, just because the market's too high doesn't mean we have a crash. It means we, you know, settle back a bit. But Andrew, you don't get your prediction published on the front page of Bloomberg by saying <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> we'll exactly. Saying, pretty sure you. Yeah, we're we'll down three percent a year. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I think I think as I say, you know, if if, if you bought on the thirty first of of, of of uh, December last year, then, you know, I think your return is going to be kind of near. So. Another reason to DCA. Yeah, and absolutely. And that's, that, that's really crucial. Go, you know, back to prediction one, you must DCA. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You know, if you have a 15% downturn, you, you, you know, you want to be buying some stock at the, at yeah. the low. Yeah. yeah. Before you jump in, we're going to take a very quick break and then, uh, then we'll be back with Aussie. So uh, let's do that. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, Andrew, before we jump into the remaining seven predictions, I did have a bit of a teaser at the start of the episode with FinFest 2023, and it is back this year. Andrew, you spoke at it last year, How to Make Money from Bad Breath was the title of your uh, of your episode. I hope you have November the 11th in your diary. I do. Great. So I uh, do. We're back at CarriageWorks this year. Absolutely. I'm usually at CarriageWorks on a Saturday anyway. Well, there you go. Organic go. vegetables. Smelling investment. You're going to now get flooded on a every Saturday at the Evelyn Market. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so save the date, November 11th, 2023, CarriageWorks here in Sydney. Uh, registrations are now open for early bird access. Um, we will be releasing tickets in the next couple of months. If you're on the list, you'll get first access to early bird. Over 700 people have already put their names down. So it's off to an epic start and we cannot wait to bring you a bit bigger and better FinFest for 2023. Equitymates.com slash FinFest. Yeah, or the link will be in the show notes right next to the link for the community survey. Plenty happening in Equitymates to start the year. But Andrew, plenty happening in the economy as well. We've got through seven predictions, yeah. seven to go. Uh, you, there was a bit of a teaser at the end of the uh, first section. Yeah. Aussie. Aussie. Where Aussie. are we going? Where are we going? Let's have a look at the Aussie market. Okay. 
Yeah, the Aussie market did really well last year, remember? It was down 1%, that's all, uh, on the S&P... Sorry, on the ASX 200. The domestic economy, I think, has real issues, as as I've said. Um, The way our CPI is constructed means it's not going to come down quickly. I think the numbers that were released in January were horrendous because the inflation was so broad-based and I've explained that there's gouging. However... The index. The index composition is 28% financials and 25% materials. So 54% of it is basically those two things which sometimes act in, in contrast to each other. But most of the major material stocks, virtually every single one of them is on a P of 10. BHP, Fortescue, Rio and Woodside. Okay, so unless you have a scenario where you think iron ore is going to collapse really badly, uh, or the Aussie dollar is going to go through the roof, okay, because they're the things that drive it, and the two those two won't happen at the same time, obviously, then the resource sector. Look, the first thing I learned about the Australian market when somebody tells you to buy a resource stock on a P of six, you sell it because it's top of the cycle, <laughs> okay? And you buy on a P of infinity when there's no earnings. But, <laughs> but the kind of resource companies we have now are not like the resource companies we had in the 1980s, which were very leveraged producers of copper and things like that. So these slightly more diverse uh, uh, companies and, and well-run companies, they're all on P's of 10. I don't see a great return out of them, to be frank. Okay, because I think you know, the iron ore price is quite high. I think they get, you know, I think the commodities run into a bit of a headwind, and everything else. But yeah, you know, they'll probably do nothing much. And then you've got sort of five major banks. Um, you know, one trades on a P of eighteen and is the world's most expensive bank because it's a seriously high quality mm-hmm. bank. But that's too expensive. The others are all on P's of 11 and 12, apart from Macquarie, which is not a bank, it's a gas trading entity. <laughs> um, most of the gas trading entities trade on P's of 6. It's on a P of 16, has surplus capital, and the CEO said the other day they're looking for acquisitions. Talk about arbitrage. So they'll be buying some more market makers or traders or things like that because they, they, they trade at twice the price they're going to have to pay. Mm. And, and so, you know, they'll, they'll have a, another uptick in earnings expectations down the track with an acquisition. But what that tells you is when your index is made up of banks on PEs of 11 and resource giants on PEs of 10, the whole index is on a PE of about 15 and a bit. So what does that tell you? It tells you the rest of the companies on the market are on rather extravagant multiples mm. for what they are. Yeah, West Farmers is 23, Woolies is 26, Coles, uh, they're 23. You know, 26 times earnings for Woolies? Nah, sorry. So to be blunt, I think the index might end up sort of gyrating around a bit but not giving you too much of a return other than your 4.4% dividend yeah. yield. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Simply because the top end of the index is sort of like I, – I, banks are not going to get blown away really badly. Okay. We, their, their bad debt charges are going to go up. Okay, they're too low. You know, I was looking at I was looking at ANZ's um, what's called Pillar Three disclosure, which is this like huge, big, long disclosure of where all their loans are and everything else. And I think they got a four hundred and twenty billion dollar loan book, of which the provisions in the last quarter were four million. Okay, I mean, give me a break. That's rubbish. Okay. It's absolute nonsense. So there's going to be more provisions. But don't forget, there's a lot of barriers between banks and bad debts on mortgages. Why? Number one is, you know, don't forget everybody didn't pay, you know, 900 grand for their house in Sydney. If they bought it 10 years ago, they certainly didn't. And hence, they don't have a 900 grand mortgage. Mm. And so they might be stressing a bit and having a bit less money to spend on whatever it is. But they're not going to get forced out of their house. Number two, if they are forced out of their house due to really ordinary circumstances, well, there's, there's so much equity in their house, even if the bank foreclose on it, the bank's not going to make a loss. Okay, and then thirdly, there's mortgage insurance, but 
the, the, the key word on insurance, which don't forget you pay for but the bank possesses, you pay for the bank to have the mortgage insurance but the stupidity of it is the first law of insurance is never reinsure your risk with somebody with a lower credit rating than you. So if Commonwealth Bank is, is writing credit risk onto QBE and Genworth, they're nuts, you know, because they're <laughs> much lower rated entities than ComBank. So... I think the Aussie market, bluntly, will go nowhere, but again, will probably go nowhere in a slightly volatile fashion because bluntly, yeah, it just reflects a bunch of resource companies and a bunch of banks. <laughs> has done for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah has yeah, done yeah. for years. So <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, yeah. it doesn't really, you know, yeah. your stock portfolio might reflect the economy and you might worry. Um, and, you know, you wouldn't want to be economically exposed. I mean, you've really got to go through your retailers with a fine tooth comb bluntly. Mm. So there you go. Okay, so nine. That's Aussie. Number nine is um, how you sort of think about individual stocks in your portfolio. I think it's basically going to be the rich get richer. Again. It's a continuation of 2022. If you have inflation at... 6% in Australia and even at 4 or 5 in America by the time it comes down. I'm sorry, that's just no good for people at the lower income brackets and it's brilliant for people who are wealthy. So the rich are going to get richer and so what it means in my opinion is that there are going to be, uh, you know, the kind of things that the rich buy and play with are going to still be in demand. So, um, you know, we spoke about Formula One mm. in, 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 in a pod at the ba- in, uh, during the summer series uh, and those kind of things. Uh, I've spoken, uh, I've done a recent thing on, on luxury goods stocks. Um, yeah, LVMH. LVMH I, I discuss but don't own, whereas I do own Richemont and I do own Swatch. Um, Swatch is not Swatch watches, it's, it's, it's Longines and Omega. Those kind of high-end goods and, and you know, I, I think those kind of things are still going to be very much in demand, particularly as China reopens mm. as well. You know, so that's, that's prediction number nine is the rich will get richer. How do you play it? Think about how you play that in your, in your portfolios. Nice. Number 10, we are going to have scandals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to have real scandals, okay? Australia, every, t- every time there's a real downturn in the economy and every time it may have an impact on financial market assets, the general population and the government, particularly if the government happens to be Labor rather than Liberal, start gunning for some, you know, they need some scapegoats. And... The one area where I think there may be scandals is the valuation of unlisted assets. And that is meaningful because our superannuation funds have a big exposure to unlisted yeah, assets. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. It's, it's more, for many of them, it's more infrastructure than commercial office property. So, you know, there's, there's a standard tease about, you know, they've got all this overvalued commercial office property. Well, they have some, that's for sure. But, you know, they paid rich prices for infrastructure. Okay, with interest rates having gone up, that can't be worth the same because it's a discounted cash flow of some reasonably certain income streams. Mm. So I think there's going to be uh, there's going to be a bit more scandal, and I'm not pointing fingers at not for profit super funds because there'll be other people holding this stuff as well. But I'd be really surprised. And it, there's already sort of people starting to sniff it and, and inquire about it. But I think at some stage this year, just because it's the way things go when times are tough, uh, that there'll be a lot more issue about the valuation of unlisted assets and that'll lead to scandals. Wow. Because unlisted assets are valued by valuers and people in a smoke-filled room. Well, that, that's been my question about private equity generally. Absolutely. You know, they, they didn't really mark Correct. down no, uh, last year. So it feels like this year they're going to be They've forced got to. to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always done with a delay. Yeah, yeah, and this, yeah. is, this is the year it comes home to roost. And that's a real problem because if you have a lot, you know, if, if you're in a super fund with a lot of unlisted assets and they haven't marked them down and you've been putting money in month by month by month, you've been paying overs for a yeah. few months, quite a few months. So... Watch out for that. So number 10 is scandals. If people hear that and they're like, well, my, I don't know, like what am I meant to do? My super fund might be involved in a scandal. Any thoughts on <laughs> Yeah, you, you stick to, look, you, 
on this, all these super funds publish reams and reams of stuff about what their what their um, exposures are to you know each asset class and everything else. Most of them are very well diversified. So even if they've got fifteen percent in unlisted rubbish, mm. you know, let's say they've they've not been particularly smart about it. Well, if that goes down 20%, that's only 3% off your super fund. And they've got all kinds of other assets that would make mm. that up. You know, if they've got 40% in overseas equities, which are up sort of, you know, you know, 8% already this year, well, there's your three. Yeah. Yeah? So, you know, don't panic, but do be aware of what's in your particular fund, okay? Uh, and if you, if you think there's too much of it, then, you know, obviously you can switch to another fund, usually relatively cheaply, mm. okay? I don't necessarily, you know, and this is not this is not a dig at not-for-profit funds by any stretch of the imagination at all, uh, but, you know, there's a big difference between a not-for-profit fund and, and a, what I'll call a commercial fund. You know, the commercial usually has a lot less unlisted and some of the not-for-profits have gone a bit too far on the unlisted and it's a matter of how much have they overpaid for the assets, et cetera. That's, that's the real issue. But all you can do is have a look. If it worries you that much, and I'm not trying to scare people here, but I think you must must be aware of the fact that, you know, the, the, this is what's been going on. They haven't been marked down enough. Yeah. Okay? And it's not just a dig at property. Yeah. Okay. However, in that respect... Prediction number 11 is we are going to see in an environment like this where we've got an unwinding of asset price bubbles, uh, we've got the price of money going up and we've got some smart people with cash, uh, that can only mean one thing, corporate activity. We're going to see a lot of corporate activity this year across the world, okay? In Australia, the most obvious place to find corporate activity is commercial property. Okay. The disconnect, what you're looking for is disconnects between listed and unlisted assets and the most obvious disconnect between listed and unlisted assets is commercial property. When the best REIT in the country in terms of its management, in terms of the quality of its assets in the commercial office property sector trades at the biggest discount of any commercial office property REIT, Something's a bit stupid. And that company is Dexas, okay? They own things like 25 Martin Place. Um, you know, they own bits of Governor Macquarie, Governor Phillip. Their property portfolio is, is fantastic for an office property portfolio. And, yes, we know all the issues about work from home and all that sort of stuff, okay? But I think you, you get a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. If you're a player, Blackstone, Brookfield, not-for-profit super fund conglomerate, to knock them off. Just take take them private, take put them, them in private. the portfolio. You yeah. know, they're trading at about a 20 set. If, if you unravel the gearing on the balance sheet, they're trading at a 27% discount to the valuation of their properties. And, yeah, I think the valuation of their properties is, is too high. So is is bold prediction eleven? Dexas gets Dexas. taken yeah, off. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and you get a, you get a, you get a forty four billion dollar fund manager for nothing. Nice. For nothing. The current price. <laughs> Hold on, we should do it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I I think Dexas or one or two others in the property arena will go. It's the year that that some of that gets done. Okay. Nice. Um, I think there'll be more financial services mergers. I think that's I think that's virtually inevitable as as you know harder times hit mm. and you know somebody will sort of decide that that you know they they're just not big enough to play and so uh, there'll, there'll be more mergers in financial services uh, and there's bound to be more mergers in resources as well you know as people you know, if you you know you have a look at sort of you know things that have gone on in Western Australia in particular where you've had you know you've had zillionaires chasing what is it Warrego you know and it, because it's strategic to what they want and need and it's all about it's all about the strategic um, asset that sits alongside the thing you're trying to develop so there'll be more and more and more of that going on I think in the resource sector so um, that's um, to me so prediction number 11 is is basically Dexas will go yeah I think yeah um, the other one I think is as part of that whole thing 
in, in corporate activity, and I, I touched on this rather nastily earlier on, uh, is I think this is the year News Corp will finally unravel itself. Oh, really? Okay. I think the fact the Fox merger with News got knocked back. Rupert's 91. Okay, he's a very fit 91, let's make that abundantly clear. But at some stage he's looking at, you know, how, how does this pass on to the generations beyond? Mm. You know, remember, it's not just Lachlan, it's a whole bunch of other, you know, wider family members. And, and it's quite clear, you know, once you take out the stake in REA, um, yeah, the rest, the rest of the thing is woefully undervalued. It really is woefully undervalued. And those assets... The, the biggest compliment you can pay Rupert Murdoch and Lachlan is the way they've managed the other assets to really make them big earners now. You know, the, the, the whole Dow Jones, Barron's businesses, which are, you know, now much more like kind of um, corporate suppliers of data, mm. you know, as much as they are, you know, um, news vehicles, you know, in finance. Uh, obviously, the book publishing side of things as well. Yeah, they, cl- you know, Foxtel is a lousy asset these days, but they've cleaned it up a bit. It's getting yeah. a bit better. You know, all that stuff. There's no way that stuff is 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 worth what the implied residue once you take out REA is. It's worth far far more than that. And I think, um, you know, if Rupert's starting to look towards, you know, the fact that look, he ain't going to live forever, and, and he needs to be quick something that, that's usable where the family don't squabble, then that's the best way to do it. What you don't want to do if you are an ageing entrepreneur is you don't want to leave a, a, a pile of arguments for your successors. Mm. And the best way to not leave the pile of arguments is to distribute some clean assets to them. And what you do, and News Corp is an unclean asset because it's full of things that have got different multiple ratings on. Mm. Yeah, and so the best thing is, and and it doesn't matter if the kids sell their stake in REA, bit piecemeal, bit by bit, because there's institutions to buy it. Mm. Whereas if they start trying to sell their stake in News Corp, please, nah, that won't work. Okay, so you split it off. That's the easiest way to do it. So that's why I'm fairly adamant about that. Fascinating. Fascinating. Mm. What was that? Was that a prediction? That was 12 that was, I think 12, yeah. that was at 12? Mm-hmm. If you're looking for contrarian place for the 410th year in succession, Brown comes back to equity mates with maybe buy gold stocks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why, why, is, why this year? Inflation. Um, US dollar. Okay. Inflation's peaking out. US dollar might start to come down with interest rate expectations gradually changing and so gold might do a little bit better. There's obviously some signs of corporate activity within the sector, as we know. So if you buy a gold ETF, you get the stocks, uh, not the metal. Um, so you've seen the play by Newmont on Newcrest. Yeah. So maybe just maybe gold stocks might do okay. I think you should have some in your little ETF portfolio. Okay. Okay. The other contrarian play, of course, which relies on the US dollar not soaring, it doesn't mean the US dollar has to crash, okay? But if the US dollar just stops soaring, mm. then emerging markets should do better. Yeah. Okay? They should do better anyway because China's don't opening up. So how do, you, how do you play that, okay? So my completely off-beam thing, which mm. don't forget last year brought you – Russia. Russia. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and by the way, prediction 14A is my Russian stocks will trade again. They will <laughs> oh, be tradable okay, again okay. at some stage in 2023. <laughs> okay. Probably uh, December after, the 31st after 8pm at night. <laughs> after Putin dies, Ukraine win the war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my my suggestion to you, okay, and this, this is a market that, that's way off its peak, okay, um, and has had a few little scandals itself. It, it, but it is very, very interesting. And the way to do it is to buy an ETF, obviously. My suggestion is to buy the Vietnamese stock market. Wow, okay. okay. Now, the Vietnamese stock market index is, of course, like everything else in Vietnam, called the Ho Chi Minh Index. And it peaked out in, um, you know, guess when, January 2022, like every other index around mm. the world, at 1,516. And it's currently 1,072. 
Uh, it's had about a 6% bounce, you know, so far this year. So the, the index is, mate, there's, there's a quite a lot of real estate things in the index, like the biggest stock in it is called Vin Homes, which you know, does exactly what it says. And then there's a few other real estate companies as well. The second biggest company is obviously the – it used to be called Vina Milk, but it's the dairy company. And there's, there's all sorts of slightly entrepreneurial things in there. But economic growth in Vietnam is starting to pick back up again. It had a couple of years where economic growth in Vietnam was only around 3%, okay, which is obviously due to COVID, okay, and last year was about 8 okay, which is what you'd expect. And with China reopening, yeah, the kind of activity around the region, to me, it's, you know, for something that's way off beam, way off its highs, an economy that just continues to grow because, the you know, the, the average age of Vietnamese is, you know, about 25, I think it is, um, and the birth rate's high. Yeah, it's, it's a genuine growing economy. Mm. And when you invest in sort of frontier stock markets uh, in growth economies, you, you always have to compromise because you end up, investing in what you would invest in any com- country starting from zero would be banks, media, yeah. land, builders, Resources, yeah. uh, you know, stuff like that. You know, that, that's, that's been the model since year dot. You know, I was lucky enough to be at the stockbroker that discovered Thailand uh, oh, wow. as, as an, you know, and, and, you know, Siam Cement was the biggest company on the Thai stock exchange at the time, you know, and that's very logical. Mm. So, so yeah, I think Vietnam is really worth a look, you know, in a very small way, uh, obviously through an ETF, so you get you get the exposure uh, across the economy. The Vietnamese banks can be uh, pretty interesting, to put it mildly, but uh, there are some of those in that. There's a few ETFs, so um, VNM, which is run by Van Eck, is, is one of them, but there are others. Just by the way, make sure when you buy a Vietnamese ETF, it's not chock full of unlisted... Uh, exposures. Yeah. There's two or three in London, but they're quite big unlisted exposures. And, you know, you really – I'm sure they're wonderful, but you really don't know what you're buying, whereas they'd rather buy something like the Van Eck one, which is just all listed. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, that's an off-the-beaten-path. Yeah. Uh, and nice. I think that takes us to the 14th. 14th. You've given us 14A, which is the Russian stocks will ride again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's uh, the rest of 14? Well, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much fourteen, which is okay. you know I think Russian stocks will ride ride again. Gold, uh, emerging markets, nice. Vietnam, great. Okay. As, as a play on that, I think yeah, that's fourteen A, B, and C if you wish. <laughs> yeah, so, right. Go. Love I think it. Just you know, just as a general comment, uh, you know, don't get yeah. We are in a volatile environment, okay, and and it's really easy for. It's really easy for people to get on the front page of the paper, you know, making outrageous predictions, you know, that, you know, the world's going to hell and the markets, you know, the stock market's going to nothing and everything else and house prices are going to nothing. Mm. Uh, and, and this is the environment. This is the environment you get that, okay? So tear it up and use it as a bonfire, okay? <laughs> it's, it's not worth what it's written on, yeah. okay? Sit through it dollar cost average because, you know, remember, you know, the equity mates audience is young. You have years and years that if I'm wrong and it turns out the the stock market has another 20% down year, well, it doesn't really matter. If you're dollar cost averaging, you're going to make it back up, Mm. okay? But please don't assume just because the stock market had a down year last year that it'll have an up year this year. Um, Just one thing to keep it on the straight and narrow, I should remind you the last – Three times in 1929, in um, 2000, and in 2008, the stock market fell sharply even after we had a rate cut. So, if you think I'm wrong and that we're going to get rate cuts, that does not mean the stock market's going to soar. Yeah, you might think it does because of what you've seen with interest rate expectations over the last few months. But eventually, what happens is, of course, the earnings take over and and drag the index down. Don't also think that just because January was a was a bit of a bonanza that it means the rest of the year is a bit of a bonanza. Uh, January in uh, 2001, I think at one stage the Nasdaq was up 23% and finished down 60. 
for the year. <laughs> okay, so th- th- there's some justification for the January effect. I remember 2018, by the way, which is much nearer, okay. In January, the market was up 9% and, and then in 10 days in February, it fell 12 Yeah. Okay, so don't, don't be surprised if we get that mm. sort of volatility, but just, you know, DCA solves solves that. DCA and go away. Well, Andrew, 14 bold predictions uh, that we'll keep our eye on over the year and uh, obviously check back in in December to see how it all went. But um, thank you so much, as always, for coming in, sharing your your insights. Luckily for for us, Ren, some of them weren't too far off what we were predicting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, can I change them? No, 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 all good. But Andrew, as always, thank you very much. No, my my absolute pleasure. It's always a lot of fun doing this and it does does make you... You think it does yeah. make it does think. really yeah. make that's you stop and think. You know, yeah. I just can't just come in here and roll it off the cuff. No, mm. no. yes. Well, that's yeah. what we said at the start of ours. If anything, it does make you sit back and actually have a think about what's going on. So, uh, Andrew, I assume you'll be at FinFest. We'll take that offline, but make sure you jump Absolutely. on equitymates.com/slash FinFest if you want to hear Andrew in person live. Um, or just duck down to the Everly Markets on a Saturday. But we'll leave it there. Community survey link also in the show notes. If you could fill that out, that would really help us out. But uh, we'll see you on Monday. Sounds good. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.